Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Success Harbor Podcast with George Mazaros, where it's all about making success happen for you. Hi, everyone. This is George Mazaros with Success Harbor, and I have Teresa Mears with me. Teresa is the founder of Living on the Cheap. She had been uh, she has been a journalist for 35 years for A-list publications such as LA Times, New York Times, and many more. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for being here, Teresa. Uh, tell our audience, um, if you could, what is Living on the Cheap about? Living on the Cheap is an online magazine. We share information that helps our readers enjoy their lives for less. We're not saying that you should never do anything that's fun. We're just saying that you could, should get the best deal on the things that you buy and figure out ways to have a good time and run your life while spending less money. And tell me uh, why you started Living on the Sheep and, and what were you doing before it? Um, for many years, I was a newspaper journalist. My last newspaper, full-time newspaper job was as an assistant features editor at the Miami Herald. And I left that job in 2008. Some friends that I knew through a freelance writing newsletter called Freelance Success one of them, Jennifer Machuski, started Atlanta on the Cheap back in 2009. And after she'd been with it for a few months, she came back to the rest of us and said, you know, anybody could start this in your city. And a number of us did that. And I started Miami on the Cheap and some others in Florida. And a group of us got together and formed kind of a loose consortium called Cities on the Cheap. And about three years ago, Jen says, I don't want to run a network anymore. I just want to publish my own site. And Laura Daly of Mile High on the Cheap in Denver and I said, no, no, we want to have a network. And so we took over the new network and branded it as Living on the Cheap and started the Living on the Cheap website as a general national personal finance advice website that works as a complement to all of our local living on the cheap websites. So when you started, I mean, can we call this a blog? Should we call it a blog or it's more it. than you a blog? Should, it's more than a blog. We call it a website or you could also call it an online magazine. So when you started uh, this online magazine, what were your goals? Um, we had several goals. One was to practice good journalism, as we had working for other publications, but instead of working for other people, we would be the publishers. Okay. Um, and go ahead. So, and our, our other goal was to kind of help the members of the On the Cheap local sites also be their own bosses and publish their own online magazines. And did you have a revenue model in mind, or it was more just um, this is going to be an informational uh, magazine, and then we'll see what happens? Or did you have something? I'll have to say it was the latter. We we come from a journalistic background, so editorial is what we think of first. So we started with the editorial and kind of have gone backwards from there toward the revenue. And and what strategies did you use to stand out from? from similar sites? Um, one of the strategies we used was simply to be better. Our idea was, since many of our people were professional journalists, is that we could publish better articles. We're not coupon sites, although we have coupons on our sites, and we're not the kind of sites that say, buy this, buy that, buy that, here, this is 50% off today. We're, 
you know, we want to give people, you know, we're not saying, we might say, don't buy this and that. We're trying to be a good consumer guide. So what advice do you have for other people that want to do something similar, you know, not necessarily in the same space, but in general, they want to differentiate themselves from all the other businesses that are doing similar things? Well, of course, first you've got to find out who's doing similar things. And then you've got to look at them and figure out what are they doing that works and what are they doing that you could do better or what are they not doing that there is a need for. Okay. At uh, at what point did you know that your site is actually your online magazine is, is becoming an income-generating business for you instead of just another online magazine? Well, when I mean, we looked at it as an income-generating business from the beginning, um, clearly it, it, at the beginning it was not generating a full-time living income, and in fact it doesn't generate a full-time living income now. But... Um, Living on the Cheap got started fairly quickly, and it did pretty well from the beginning. As with all editorial, everything online, you've got to be nimble these days. You've got to be willing to change direction when it's necessary because the world changes so fast and the online world changes so fast. So we, you know, we, continue, we continue refining our publication every day, but our goal was always for it to be an income-generating so you we just it, we didn't start it for self expression so you you just mentioned that you're continually refining your your magazine, so yeah. how do you interact with your readers uh to find out what which direction to go or or what do you take from the feedback that you get um, what we're looking at right now, for instance, is making our content easier to find. We started out thinking, well, we'll publish a new story all day and we'll send it to everyone every day and they'll be happy to see a new story. But what we're discovering is people want to find what they want when they want it. So we might have published a story on how to stage your home for sale today, but you're not selling your house. So what you really want to know is how to live without cable TV. Um, so our next refinement is going to be kind of to put our articles together into collections to make it very easy for people to find the information they're looking for when they need it. In terms of promoting your website, what strategies do you use to promote your site? Everyone we can think of. Um, we use Facebook. We use Twitter. Um, we use Google Plus and Pinterest a little. Um, for the local websites, we promote ourselves in person. Some of us have um, publications in our local newspapers or other online publications that link, link back to our sites. We syndicate some of our articles at msn.com, and they link back to us. We have also syndicated to other bigger publications when they were interested. And we're continually looking for ways to get the word out even further. And what is the process to get, let's say if there is a blogger or somebody that has a, a, another site that, that has great content, if they want to also syndicate, what, what's, what does it take to, to, to become a syndicated uh, writer? Well, you first have to think out why you want to syndicate. Because these days, the, when the big boys are syndicating their material for free, it's hard to find anyone who's going to pay you for your content. It's not impossible, I mean, to pay you for your content that you've already published on your own site. 
as opposed to pay you for original content. Many people will pay you for original content. But if you want to syndicate from your site, you've got to figure out, because it's unlikely someone is going to pay you money from your content, who can you syndicate to that will get you something you want? Whether it's increased visibility or whether they'll trade content for the site um, or whether you know there's some other service they'll trade you for it. So if getting paid for your content is not your top priority, it's more about creating awareness about your site. Right. Uh, I mean, we earn we earn money from our site. So when we syndicate our content, we don't syndicate it um, for money. Although if you so we it's available if you'd like to buy. You know, we will syndicate some for money, but we syndicate it to bring awareness. So therefore, we're not going to make our copy available to Bob's blog. We're only going to make it available to some major news sites. Um, and so, I write low, yeah. I write original content for other publications for money. So, so if 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 somebody wants to syndicate their content to you know some something something big, not not Bob's blog as you mentioned, mm-hmm. um, but and their their goal is not to get paid, but to get create awareness for their site. How do they even start that? Is it through networking, or what kind of formal channels are there to to even get started on that for somebody? It's generally through networking. You'll find it very difficult to find the contact information um, because those sites, the big sites, only want to work with professionals, and they you know they don't want to be bothered by a lot of people whose content is not what they want. So networking, finding out who's making the decisions and getting your blog or your website content in front of them would be the way to go. Okay. And how does living on the cheap generate revenue today? We generate revenue through advertising on our sites, through selected sponsored posts, and through affiliate agreements. And can, is there any learning experience there that you can share, maybe mistakes that you have made or interesting things that you have learned about trying to monetize your online magazine? Well, I would suggest that people not do what we did, that you should start with a monetizing model in the first. In other words, figure out how you're going to make money before you start a magazine. Uh, we learned that the hard way. Um, Google AdSense is a great way to start. If you do publish a quality publication you can and, and have a decent readership, you can make some money with Google AdSense, particularly if you are writing about topics that their advertisers want to read. For affiliate marketing, I think you need to look for companies whose products fit your content. And then you have to realize that if you don't have a substantial readership, you're wasting your time fiddling with a lot of affiliate banners and links early on. That you need to build readership first and then think about affiliate stuff. Whereas with the Google AdSense, you can put it on a day or two after you start and it begins to build. Um, the wave of the future seems to be sponsored content, but you have to be careful who you deal with. I get you know, several emails a day from mysterious people who don't seem to list the company they work for who want to write a quote-unquote guest post for my site. 
And what they mean is they want to write a post that contains a link back to a business that has paid them for this. And we don't deal with those people. Um, but when you're starting out, you might, if someone offers you $50 to put a post on your site, you might think, oh, why not? I need content anyway. But you have to be very careful of arrangements like that. So in terms of traffic and number of visitors to your site and monetizing, at what point, how many visitors uh, do you think a, a site should should have for somebody to seriously consider you know, something more than AdSense uh, for advertising? Well, it depends a little bit on your niche. Um, on sites that particularly whose business model is essentially selling products. In other words, if you have a site in which you review products that you also link to Amazon and sell, you probably don't need quite as many, because the products are more expensive, you probably don't need, need quite as many readers as a site like ours. Um, it's hard to give, you know, it's hard to give numbers because it depends on what you're doing. But I would certainly think you'd want to have at least 500 visitors a day before you did much with certain kinds of affiliate marketing. Okay. Um, with Google AdSense, I'd say put them on when you start, and you know they build it builds up they build up with you. Okay. Uh, can you give us an idea how much traffic your website is getting now on a monthly basis or or a daily basis? Um, I had to leave my computer because of the noise from workers. Um, like an idea. It doesn't have to be an exact number. Uh, the last time I checked, I think Living on the Cheap had about 150,000 page views a month. That's that's a very nice, very nice, uh, very nice number. Give us, um, you mentioned uh, that, you know, you, you wish that you had thought about monetizing uh, earlier yes. in uh, Living on the Cheap. Can you think of uh, another, I don't know, I don't even know if that qualifies as a mistake, but maybe, but maybe a, a big mistake or, or a mistake that was a really good learning experience for you? Well, um, we started out thinking that all of the members of our network were going to pre be able to provide all of the services we need. In other words, because we were sort of a consortium, we thought, well, everyone is going to contribute articles and labor in order to make the site a success. And what you find is when you're dealing with, with all groups is that some people contributed really good articles and were very helpful, and some people contributed mediocre articles and weren't very helpful. So don't underestimate a need for paid staff, even if it's going to be consultants or freelancers. So in terms of outsourcing or, or freelancers for your business, what advice do you have? I, mean, I don't know if is it writers that uh, mostly um, you use or outsource. What advice do you have on hiring uh, good, quality, good quality outsourcers? That is a major challenge. I was actually on a Facebook discussion today with a friend who writes for Fast Company and other small business publications, and she was asking her small business friends what their challenges were. Finding good quality freelance consultants or writer, uh, freelance consultants to work with is a challenge. 
Um, we actually the other the other area where we use consultants is in tech help because we I had never worked online at all and I built Miami on the cheap myself. Um, and I can work in WordPress, but there are many things that are not just outside my area of expertise. Plus, it's not the best use of my time to be figuring out how to do something that somebody who knows what they're doing can do in five minutes. Um, I guess it goes, you, it almost goes through that you have to kiss a lot of frogs. Um, you want to find people who fit your business. In other words, if you're looking for somebody to build a website, talk to a number of people who build websites. Ask what their approach would be and how much they would charge. Um, because building a website is something that could cost you anything from you know, 500 to 50000 depending on who you hire and how it's done. Um, I do not use any sorts of Odesk, Elance, any of those sorts of things. I go on personal recommendations. I deal with people based in the, from primarily in the United States, although I've used one consultant based in the UK who does business in the US. Um, sometimes you just have to test people out to find, to find the right fit. But I also try to you know, treat people well and hope that they'll stay with us and grow with us. Tell me how how to deal with uh, kind of the ups and downs of being an entrepreneur because um, any everyone I talk to they're you know they're all sharing with me uh, all kinds of you know ups and downs and but dealing with those ups and downs is the real challenge and and what advice do you have on on that for our audience how, how has it changed for you or do you have any of it how, how do you deal with it. Um... You're talking about dealing with it emotionally as opposed to how do I solve problems? Well, you know, I think emotionally is an issue because uh, a lot of people tend to give up because they just can't handle kind of the the emotional ups and downs of just being an entrepreneur. But I'm also interested in the problem-solving aspect of it. Well, first of all, you have to decide whether being an entrepreneur is for you because it's not for everybody. Um, I miss having coworkers. And I actually, one of the things that I like a lot of living on the cheap is that I have a, you know, I have a, I had a co-founder and a partner, and then we, and she and I talk every day, usually more than once a day, and that's great having a second person to bounce things off of. Um, the other, and then there also are the other people in the network. Um, you need to have some money saved so that you're not desperate for every check. Um, because there are going to be financial ups and downs in any business, and you need to have some reserves so that you can deal with that. Um, and one thing I found that helps in that is to keep the cost of living low, and therefore you have less pressure. And that gives you more freedom to say, well, let me step back and build up my business and do some investing in my business. Um, because you don't have coworkers, it can get lonely. So it's also good to have people in your local community that you can meet for coffee or that you can discuss things with. I go to the local WordPress meetup group and I've met a number of other publishers and I talk to them from time to time and I get we you know we get together and discuss kind of some of the challenges of publishing an online publication. Uh, you know, how to do things technically and also how to increase readership and how to approach advertisers. And, you know, the things that entrepreneurs talk about. You could, there's so many entrepreneur networking groups in every city. You could spend all your time there. 
and never and you know forget your business, which you don't want to do. But you can definitely find people that would be helpful to you to network with, and also kind of give you a place to blow off steam from time to time. Um. And I think you've got to give yourself a, a, a reality check every once in a while to say basically, okay, this is what I wanted to do. Is it working or should I do something else? Um, is part of it working or do I need to change something? Are the assumptions I started out with proved to be true or should I reexamine some of those assumptions and go off in a different direction? So... On a personal level, have you had any surprises? I mean, you have been a journalist for 35 years, and to a large degree, you're doing some of the same things, I would imagine, that what you have done as a journalist. But as an entrepreneur, were there any surprises that kind of caught you by surprise in, in terms of running your own business? Well, I had run my own business once before when I was a freelance journalist and ran a newsletter for freelancers. Um, it, was a it was a little bit different kind of business than that. It was just me, and I was just for the most part, selling articles or selling newsletter subscriptions. The thing about being an entrepreneur today is everything changes so fast. I mean, Facebook is a good example of that. You know, a year ago, you really wanted to build up a big Facebook following because you could put something on Facebook, and if you had 5,000 fans, 5,000 people would see it. Now if you have 5,000 fans and you put something up on Facebook, you're lucky if 100 people see it. So Facebook, you know, is, you know, your your Facebook strategy has had to drastically change. Everything you knew about it last year isn't true this year. Um, there's so much information that it's tough to find the right information. And the happy discovery I had was when I was working at the newspaper, they made it sound as if working online was really difficult and required a lot of specialized skill. When I actually went into doing it, well, no, it really wasn't that difficult at all. So I, I want to ask you about being efficient because a lot of times entrepreneurs are either solopreneurs or when they start out, it's, it's just one or two two people. So being efficient is key. What do you think is the biggest time waster for entrepreneurs, especially the first one or two years in business? Boy, the efficiency thing is like a, a, new, a new challenge every day. Um, the biggest time waster. Well, and if, if you're in a business like mine where you're sitting in front of the computer, it's so easy to get off track. Oh, here's a new article about Facebook marketing. Let me read that. Oh, here's a new article about uh, how to use Twitter. Let me read that. Here's a new article about, oh, and here's a new, three new messages from the affiliate company. So here's a deal I'd better put up on my website. So fo keeping focused is an enormous challenge. And I think that's true even if you're in a business where you're not online. You know, you start out putting it, things on the shelves and then you think, oh, but maybe I better make sure the cash register tape is there and then I better order something and then somebody comes in and you forget what you're doing. Um, so focus, I think, is a, is, a, is a struggle every single day. To focus on the task at hand long enough to finish it and then go on to the next one as opposed to flitting. If, uh, if, if, you, if you could train someone to become a successful entrepreneur that was a first-time entrepreneur, what would be the first thing that you would teach that person? Ooh, that's an interesting question. The first thing that someone needs to be a successful entrepreneur 
um, learn to roll with the punches. Things will not always go the way you want them to. Don't let that knock you down. Or if it does, get back up. That's good advice. Do you have maybe one or two favorite books, either that are are, are great? I mean, you know, you're a, you're a professional journalist, so writing is kind of in your blood. But I don't know, even either for writing or for entrepreneurship, that you would you could recommend to your, to our audience. I'm gonna to have to confess that I don't read very many books about either writing or entrepreneurship. Um, I mean, Strunk and White is sort of the classic, um, the ele- the elements of style are kind of the classic writing books for people who don't have writing training and want to use the language well. Um, I tend to go to books when I have a specific question or something I want answered. So I mean, I've read some of the No Low Press books about you know, setting up a partnership or what, the, you know, things you need to run a small business. But I I do not read much. For, I don't read for inspiration, if that makes sense. I read okay. I read either read for knowledge or I read fiction for fun. Okay. Um, do you have any last words of wisdom to share with our audience about either building a successful business or taking it to the next level? Expect that you're always going to be learning and embrace that. Um, Expect that the world is going to change and don't fight it. And have confidence in yourself and also be willing to know, to realize that you're not always right. And sometimes you need to, to hear from somebody else. Well, Teresa, thank you very much for for sharing uh, your story. How can people connect with you? Oh, they can uh, come to livingonthecheap.com. They can email me at uh, Teresa at livingonthecheap.com. They can also find uh, find us at Twitter um, at Cheap Lives. They can find us on Facebook at Living on the Cheap. They can find us at Pinterest at Living on the Cheap, and I think you can find us at Google Plus at Living on the Cheap. Well, sounds good. So be sure to check out uh, Teresa's website, livingonthecheap.com. Teresa, thank you. Thank you. It was nice talking to you.